Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to Unbox. Your host, Josh, here, and a lot on tap for today. I'm going to talk about Kyler Murray, Steelers-Browns, Thursday Night Football tonight, as long as, as well as my rest of Week 3 picks. Then I'm going to get into some NBA. Ime Udoka, head coach of the Boston Celtics, is likely to be suspended a whole year. Considering resigning, I react to that situation. And then ESPN has come out with their, you know, NBA rank. They've ranked their top 100 players. Uh, the top five will be revealed tomorrow. But, you know, everybody knows who is the top five for them. Just don't know the order. I react to that nonsense that they released, as well as make some college football picks. Then I'll talk about Aaron Judge. Greg Norman, Live Golf, PGA, uh, in that saga. But let's get started with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, to me, had such, you know, a great second half against the Raiders and that electric overtime win. You know, it was just fun to watch because they looked dead in the water uh, through halftime, through the first six quarters of the NFL season. Kyler Murray didn't look like Kyler Murray. This team didn't look good. But Kyler played great in the second half comeback win. Uh, You know, in overtime, they're in Vegas. You know, the Cardinals are going crazy. They're pumped up. And, you know, when Murray was cheering on the sidelines, uh, you know, near the fans after the win, uh, you you know, he kind of got slapped, I wouldn't want to, you know, it wasn't a hard slap or anything, but I like what Murray had to say about this. And, you know, he'd said that he had no hard feelings. He said, this stuff happens fast. I know every person I've hit in the face. I did it for a reason. I don't know if he probably didn't know where he was. I don't know. It was a pretty live game. Vegas is Vegas. I'm sure he was having fun but also said that he doesn't think any player should be touched in that manner. And I think that was great by Kyler Murray, you know, what he said, because, you know, what I've seen, you know, in the NBA, NBA players trying to get fans thrown out of a game for something they said. And if it's, to me, if it's not a racist remark, uh, you know, or derogatory, they shouldn't be thrown out of the game. Uh, but so many, you know, uh, players are trying to get fans to kind of heckle them, thrown out. I get where fans cross the line if there's anything, you know, you know, pressing up against their family, uh, what they say to them, or you know, the fans that you know dump popcorn on players as they act it off. I'm totally against that. But I like what Kyler Murray said here. You know, he said he, if he saw him, you know, he'd go up and shake his hand. Uh, it is what it is. No hard feelings toward that guy. To me, that's a sign of somebody, you know, that is growing in their leadership. Kyler Murray talked about, you know, growing as a leader. And, you know, it's not always, you know, what you say, it's what you do. And I think he handled himself great here. Uh, you know, some players would want to press charges and go after the fan. But I think Kyler Murray is playing it cool, he's playing off, and of course he has the upper hand too, because he won, 
So he can say this with a smile on his face that, hey, he beat the Raiders. So I thought that was classy by Kyler Murray. He chose to be the bigger person. So many of these athletes want to stoop down a level. Uh, You know, Baker Mayfield is one who would like to go into people's offices and boo them for their work. And people have a tough time you know, with fans heckling them. But the way Kyler Murray played it is great. He was a bigger person, and that shows me he has the growth as a leader. Uh, I liked what he said there and liked how he handled and composed himself after the win. Now let's get to tonight's Thursday night football game, which is the Steelers and the Browns. Still no T.J. Watt. But is the Steelers' offense going to step up tonight? Mitch Trubisky has not been great so far. Uh, Only thrown two touchdowns to start the season. 362 yards. His numbers are very similar to Jacoby Brissett. Trubisky's 362 yards to Brissett's 376. Both have two touchdowns and an interception. Najee Harris has been very slow to start the season. Not the Najee we've seen, whereas Nick Chubb is playing great. 228 yards, three touchdowns. Deontay Johnson, receiver for the Steelers, is playing really well. 112 yards. Cooper on the Browns has 118 yards. And to me, these teams are well-matched, especially with T.J. Watt not being there. Uh, And this has been, you know, a long run for Pittsburgh where majority of, you know, the past 20 years, Pittsburgh has owned the Browns. A lot of teams have owned the Browns, but Pittsburgh in general. And I think Pittsburgh comes out with the win tonight. I'm picking Pittsburgh to win. But I just like, uh, you know, not just their offense. Uh, to me, I think it will rise to the occasion against Cleveland. But even defensively, missing T.J. Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick is kind of turned into that leader on the defense. Already has been a great safety for quite some time. But the first two games, he's just been outstanding uh, on the football field. The first game against the Bengals blocking the uh, kick, McPherson, near the end of the game. And then you had his great interception last week against Mac Jones, even though it was a loss, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has just been all over the field making plays. Uh, He's just been great. He's been electric. Uh, And I think that's the difference. I think Cleveland has a good defense, but it's not quite there outside of Miles Garrett. You know, Denzel Ward is all right. There's some pieces, you know, that concern me, especially when you let the Jets score two touchdowns in a minute 55 frame. They do – have some miscommunication issues. They play a little lackadaisical at times. And I think, you know, if I have to trust a coach to get his team in order for, you know, a Thursday night primetime rivalry game at the least, it's going to be Mike Tomlin, one who knows the history of this rivalry, uh, who's coached it for many years now. I'm going to trust Mike Tomlin in this situation other than uh, Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. I don't know, last year Cleveland was making a playoff push. They needed to beat the Steelers late in the season. And Cleveland just laid an egg with Baker 
I don't think Jacoby Brissett's the guy. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is the guy either for Pittsburgh. I'd like to see Kenny Pickett him personally. But I think if there's a game for Najee Harris to get right, get back to where he was playing last year, I think it's against the Cleveland Browns. I really do. I don't think, uh, you know, I know the Steelers aren't afraid of the Cleveland Browns at all. Uh, I think... Najee Harris has a good game. Of course, that hurts me because uh, I'm playing against Najee Harris in fantasy, so I don't really want to see that, but I do. Uh, I do think, you know, Pittsburgh to me has, you know, such a good uh, secondary back there. And then in terms of, you know, rush defenses, Cleveland has been good through two weeks, but they haven't faced the type of back uh, of Najee. Yet, so I'm going to give this win to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Moving on to my rest of the week three picks. And I'm going to start with a Sunday night game, and that's San Francisco-Denver. This is Jimmy G's first game starting this season. Played in most of the action last week. Got the win over Seattle. Now he's traveling to Denver. And... The team seems happy. Jimmy G's back. Uh, They look great on the sideline together. Look like a walk-off home run after a game uh, with Jimmy G. They're fired up. I think this team's going to be fired up. I think George Kittle is fired up as well. Uh, Of course, you know, they all heap praise on Trey Lance, and they should. I think he's a great man. But I think they know what they have in Jimmy G, and that's just a constant, steady force there at quarterback. And we're going to get up against Denver. And to me, Denver has not been as impressive as I thought they were going to be to start the season. I thought they would be 2-0 right now. They're sitting at 1-1. And and their offense has been underwhelming. And that's putting it nicely. 16 points in back-to-back games. A loss to the Seahawks. And a win against the Texans. 16 points against those two teams. Two teams regarded as two of the worst in the league. And you can only put up 32 points combined against those teams. To me, it's a joke. Nathaniel Hackett hasn't been great. Russell Wilson doesn't look like he's really fit in well with the system so far. Not really integrated. Uh... To me, the defense is playing good. Pat Sertan and the boys back there, uh, Bradley Chubb has you know, picked it up. Their defense is playing good. I'll give them credit. But the offense is lagging behind, uh, and there's still time to catch up. But in this game, I like San Francisco. I like what they have. They've got the superior coach in Kyle Shanahan. To me, they got a steadier quarterback right now. I think, you know, not going to debate this. Russell's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy Garoppolo knows Kyle Shanahan. He knows the system. He knows what to do, how to execute. Whereas Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, they're still learning. San Francisco, they're not learning with Jimmy G anymore. They were learning with Trey Lance. They're not learning anymore with Jimmy G. It's let's go out, win this game the way we want to win this game. Jeff Wilson Jr., is going to make some plays running the football, sprinkling Debo in the backfield. I expect George Kittle to play and have a great day. And I expect San Francisco to go into a very hostile environment, uh, which is Mile High Stadium. 
on a Sunday night game, and I expect the 49ers to win. Last year, very similar situation for the 49ers. It was a week three Sunday night game. They were at home. They played the Packers. They dominated most of the game, but they lost there at the end uh, because they forgot how to cover Devontae Adams. This isn't going to be the case this year with the 49ers in this early season. I like the 49ers to win this game. Next game I want to talk about, the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot has been made on this matchup. Uh, Mike Evans is not playing this game. They're down their best receiver. Chris Godwin, Julio Jones hasn't been practicing. So with that, you know, three of your top four guys probably won't play Mike Evans for sure. I don't have high hopes for Chris Godwin or Julio Jones. So you have trotting out Russell Gage back there. You sign Cole Beasley, who knows if he plays. And Brashad Perryman, Scotty Miller, they've been limited in practice as well. So the receiving core I'm worried about. The offensive line, to me, has looked relatively impressive against two good defenses they played uh, when everybody thought they were to get mauled and look like the Bengals' offensive line, whereas the Bucks are holding up quite all right. Tristan Wirfs is still great. Robert Hainsey is held in fine. Uh, their rookie left guard has played phenomenal. Donovan Smith looks to be back. He dealt with an injury. He didn't play in last week's game, but he looks to be back. He's practicing. So if the offensive line is good, to me, they can run the ball, and they can run the ball on the Packers' defense. Yes, they got Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark, but I think they'll be able to run the ball well. Tom Brady's going to make some throws. We saw it last week hit Brashad Perryman on a beautiful pass. He, he'll take care of the ball. He'll throw it to where he needs to throw it. So I'm not worried about uh, Tom Brady. This offense, yes, has started slow, much like Denver, but Tom Brady knows the system. It's just a matter of if the receivers haven't been healthy. So we'll see. But I like this defense to me. This defense is the best in the league right now. They are playing faster and just better than every other defense. Uh, probably aside from Buffalo, I'd probably put Buffalo too. And remember the closest one to Tampa Bay. Uh, just the depth that Tampa Bay has. Uh, the linebackers are flying all over the field. Levante David, Devin White, Carlton Davis is shutting down Antoine Winfield. And I think they match up good with Green Bay. Alan Lazard is banged up. It feels like he's always banged up. Is he going to be ready to go against the Bucks? If not, you know, it's Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, who... Aaron Rodgers doesn't have total faith in. So to me, these are me very two similar styles of offense. I think Tampa Bay is going to have a heavy dose of running the football. I think Green Bay is as well. And I try to get it going with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. But the one thing I like more, I like Tampa Bay's rush defense more. I like Vita Vea in the middle. And the run stopper. Uh, you know, Shaq Bear can also pass rush, but he's good stopping the run. And I like their cornerbacks as well. Jair's a better corner than Carlton Davis for the Packers. But in terms of stopping the run, Carlton Davis ain't afraid to go in there, you know, and hit the running back. So I like the Tampa Bay defense more than I like them. I like Leonard Fournette too. Heavy dose of that. I think this is going to be a tight game. You know, last time we saw these two teams play, it was a playoff game in Lambeau, and 
Tampa Bay kind of dominated them. It was kind of Tom Brady's turnovers in the second half that made the game closer. But in that same season, it was 38-10 Tampa Bay versus pick sixes. I expect this defense to be over Aaron Rodgers. And this, it's a season opener. Maybe I am a little biased because I'm also going down there to Raymond James Stadium to watch and cheer on the GOAT, Tom Brady. So, I'll admit I have a tiny bit of bias there. I do think this is going to be a close game, but I think Tampa Bay pulls off the win uh, in their season opener. I like Tampa Bay to win this game. I like Tom Brady more than Aaron Rodgers. I like the Tampa Bay defense more than them. Uh, And I like Leonard Fournette as well. So, all that is stacking up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this Rodgers-Tom Brady showdown. Let's move on to Houston and Chicago. Let's just get this one out of the way. This isn't going to be a great game uh, by any metrics. And I might honestly be picking the Texans to upset the Bears. Uh, Justin Fields has only attempted 28 passes through two games. 28 passes. That's a low so far for qualifying quarterbacks. 28, that's terrible. Uh, You know, this coaching staff, I don't think they know how to coach up Justin Fields. Uh, They don't know what they're doing. Offense isn't there. Uh, I don't think the Texans are that good. But what I've seen from the Bears the past two weeks, it was a, you know, very poor showing against the Packers. And it was the survival deluge game against the 49ers. I think the Texans squeak out with a win here. I'm not impressed with this coaching staff. And I'm going to be patient with Justin Fields because he's got no weapons. He's got a terrible offensive line. So I'm not pinning this on Justin Fields. I'm pinning it on the Bears organization as a whole. And I think the Texans can definitely upset the Chicago Bears this weekend. Las Vegas and Tennessee. Two teams that are 0-2. Both teams have some issues. Uh... Las Vegas Raiders with an epic collapse in the second half. It cost their game against the Cardinals. Devontae Adams only getting two catches. That game is horrendous. And Tennessee just got blown out Monday night against the Bills. So here we go. Derrick Henry has not gotten it going so far uh, through two games. It's weird when Josh Jacobs has more yards than Derrick Henry through two games, has a higher yards per carry. I am a little concerned about Derrick Henry, not just if the touches have, uh, you know, caught up to Derrick Henry. I don't think that's the case. What I've seen from this offense, you know, is they've been Derrick Henry relying for too long. But when you trade A.J. Brown away, uh, you're really just selling out on this being Derrick Henry. Teams know what you're going to do 66% of the time, two-thirds of it down. They know you're going to be running the football. They know Ryan Tannehill is not that guy. He's shown to not be that guy. So Tennessee, their offense is predictable. It makes it easy for defensive coordinators to scheme Tennessee. I could scheme against Tennessee. I could be a defensive coordinator going against the Tennessee Titans, and we'd have a great shot to win the game. I think we could win the game uh, because it's honing on Derrick Henry. It's eight guys. It's, you know, don't let the cornerbacks get burned or the safeties uh, because Ryan Tannehill can't really throw the ball that accurately. So that isn't a problem at all. I think Derek Carr 
will have a better game. He even said he's getting used to Josh McDaniel's system. I mean, it takes a while for him. He's been in so many systems to start his uh, career. I think, you know, in the eight, nine years he's been playing professional football, I think he's had four coaches in that time period. So he's getting used to Josh McDaniel's system. I think he's going to throw the ball to Devontae because he's on your team. You better get him the dang ball. And I think Las Vegas gets their first win long overdue this weekend. Kansas City and Indianapolis. I'm going Kansas City on this one. Earlier in the year when I looked at both schedules and I picked Indianapolis to win the division, uh, I thought, hey, Indianapolis has a formula to beat the Chiefs. They do. The Chiefs don't have a great defense. Let's not kid anybody here uh, with their defense. Yes, you know, they haven't been able to get the quarterback. Their main defensive presence has been Chris Jones, and that's about it in the middle. I thought Indianapolis could come in, uh, you know, it's at home, and so Indianapolis has that going for them. But Indianapolis could run the football with Jonathan Taylor, open up a play-action passing with Matt Ryan, and they'd be in business. But through two games, I've seen Matt Ryan throw more interceptions than touchdowns, four interceptions to one touchdown, he hasn't looked sharp at all, and Jonathan Taylor's just been ho-hum. They've been riding him a lot. Uh, I see that continue against the Chiefs. I think they play better since they're at home, but I haven't seen enough of Matt Ryan. He's, you know, to me, scaring me. I thought he was a little bit of an upgrade over Carson Wentz. Right now, that doesn't look to be the case. So I'm not sold on Matt Ryan or this offense outside of Jonathan Taylor. The defense is a little banged up, uh, so can, I think September Patrick Mahomes is going to continue and roll on this week against the Colts. Now a matchup of a couple oh two and O teams, two high-powered offense. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills going down to Miami to face Tua Tagovailoa and the great weapons he has there. Uh, Josh Allen is number one in QBR. Tua is two. Two great quarterbacks going at it. Tua is number one in passing yards. Josh Allen is fourth. Uh, Tyreek is one in receiving. Jalen Waddell is two in receiving. And Stephon Diggs of the Bills is... Actually, my bad. Stephon Diggs is two in receiving. Tyreek's one. Jalen Waddell, three. So you're having two very high-powered offenses uh, going at it uh, this weekend. Uh, Miami's number one in passing yards, number two in offensive yards. Uh, Buffalo is number three in offensive total yards and four in passing. But the thing I like a little bit more is the defense of Buffalo. Uh, they are second in yards allowed and second in points Uh you know, they have a, you know, they get the ball, they have set or second in sacks, so it's defense I like. I like the pass defense of the Dolphins just a touch more with Xavier Howard and Byron Murphy. I think this is going to be a great game. The Bills have won four in a row against Miami. Uh, not a lot of them have been close. I expect this one to be much closer. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami pulls off the upset since it's in Miami. Mike McDaniels has been excellent in his first year head coaching. I expect, you know, 
you know, to me, this is Buffalo's stiffest test yet in terms of weapons and testing their cornerbacks that are a little dinged up. Uh, Tredavious White and Jackson won't be playing. So they're hurt there on the back end. So it's going to be up to, you know, their safeties, Poyer and Hyde to make up for some mistakes back there. And for Von Miller to get after Tua and make him feel uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm going to pick the Bills to win this one. They might win convincingly. Uh, but I think it is going to be a heck of a game right here between the Bills and the Dolphins. I just don't know if I can pick against the Bills of the rest of the year. I think there might be one game. Uh, I'm not going to say which one. You can look at your schedule and determine for yourself which one I wouldn't pick. But I think there's one game on your schedule. I probably won't pick them uh, for the rest of the year. And that's when I'm fine, you know, not picking. I'm fine picking the Bills the whole year and getting four losses out of that instead of trying to predict the Bills' losses like I did last week. It did not really working out for me. Next game, another exciting matchup. Two exciting one-on-one teams, a divisional matchup again. That's Detroit in Minnesota going at it in Minnesota. This is Detroit's first true road test. Uh, and I think Detroit has been excellent. Their offense has been great. They're tied for second in points per game. Uh, just in yards, they're top five. The offense has been great. Aiden Hutchinson getting after the quarterback after a sloppy week one really showed up in week two. Uh, and they were dominant to me in all phases of the game. Uh, Minnesota coming off an ugly loss to Philly. Now these two teams play each other. You know, Vikings are hoping for a rebound, and the Lions are just hoping to continue on. To me, Jared Goff's been more impressive than Kirk Cousins to start the season. Uh, yes, Kirk Cousins has a bit more yards, uh, but Jared Goff's completion percentage is just a tick higher, and he's got six touchdowns to Kirk Cousins' three. And Jared Goff's got less interceptions, one to Kirk Cousins. Three, all three of those were on Monday night where he did not look good. And DeAndre Swift as averaging 10 yards per carry, which is absurd. Uh, Dalvin Cook only has 107 yards. Justin Jefferson's been great. But Amon Ross St. Brown has also been fantastic. So to me, this is a very intriguing matchup. I want to pick Minnesota just because... You know, in divisional games, most teams have gotten the better of the Detroit Lions. Yes, Detroit beat Minnesota last year, but that was in Detroit. It was their first win. It was emotional. Like I said, this is Detroit's first true road test. I'm going to lead towards Minnesota here, even though I'm still not sold on Kirk. I'm never sold on Kirk Cousins. I don't think their defense is that good either. I think it was a great week against the Packers. But I really want to see more from their defense, and they're facing a great offense right now. And the Detroit Lions. Uh, so I like Detroit to win this game. And, uh, I, my bad, I like Minnesota to win this game just barely, just because it's the Lions. But if the Lions somehow win this game, I'm still rooting and pulling for the Lions. If they somehow win this game, they look impressive like they did the last two weeks. You know, both these teams have played the Eagles. Detroit looked much more impressive against the Eagles than the Vikings. They lost by three points compared to the shellacking the Eagles gave the Vikings. To me, if the Detroit Lions win this game, that shows that the tide has truly turned. This isn't just a mirage. 
This isn't just a hopeful year for Lions fans. We're not buying into hard knocks propaganda. The Detroit Lions are here. You can't say that they're back because they've never, you know, been at the top to say we're back. But if the Detroit Lions win this game, they're here. And from there on, things will look very good for the Detroit Lions uh, for the rest of the season, I believe. This is a big, pivotal game for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. That's one I'm going to have my eyes on for sure. Another big game, two one-on-one teams. The Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. Again, this is New England's first home game. They played down in Miami, got beat. They played in Pittsburgh. They escaped with a win. Now they play Lamar Jackson in the Ravens. And Lamar is playing his best football through two weeks. You know, Mac Jones has been the Mac Jones, I kind of thought, kind of digressing a bit. Uh, But the Ravens don't really have a running game outside of Lamar right now. Rashad Bateman has made big plays. Uh, but I do like the New England defense more. Uh, the, the Baltimore defense is getting banged up the first two games. Uh, I'm not sold on New England. I'm going to pick Baltimore. But if there's anybody who knows how to game plan against a Lamar Jackson or Baltimore on defense, it's the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is close. Uh, I expect it to be close. And, you know, recently... Uh, the Patriots, you know, they dominate the Ravens. It's just what I'm used to watching. Other than a few times there, you know, Joe Flacco, you know, beat them. The series record, Patriots lead 11-4. to uh, Last time they played, Lamar Jackson did play. Patriots beat the Ravens 23-17. So offensively, Ravens are better. Defensively. Patriots are better. The Ravens are last in terms of yards allowed, whereas the Patriots are fourth. They're top five. They're top ten in all, uh, you know, categories for defense. Uh, rush yards allowed, pass yards allowed, scoring. So, you know, to me, it's going to be how does Lamar Jackson play the best defense that he's placed in a true road environment. His first game was against the Jets on the road this year. That's not really proving anything to me. I think this is going to be a very close game. I'm leaning towards Baltimore, but this is one of my coin flip games right here. Ravens-Patriots. Next up, Cincinnati and the Jets. I'm picking Cincinnati. Last year, I picked Cincinnati to beat the Jets. I lost that one. The Jets did beat Cincinnati last year. Uh, You know, but I like how cool Joe Burrow is. Joe Burrow is staying to relax. Nobody's panicking over here. I'm probably panicking more for the Bengals than anybody in the Bengals locker room is. But they do have to play with a sense of urgency, and specifically their offensive line. They have to be better. Joe Burrow has to be a little better. Uh, They fix the turnover issue, but the offensive line got the block. Uh, Jamar Chase has to stop calling people out, too. Uh, You know, you can call people out after the game, but before the game, you know, they get a little riled up. Jamar Chase telling Trevon Diggs, you know, he's either, you know, a hit or he's not a hit at all, you know, on his hit and miss game. So, Jamar Chase, don't mention anything about Sauce Gardner or the Jets defense. Just play the game. 
talk trash after you win. Then you can front run and showboat all you want. But right now, just focus on the Jets getting to one and two. I think the Bengals get on the right track here, and they slowly start to course correct their season. New Orleans and Carolina, another divisional game. And uh, this is another one I'm torn on. Two quarterbacks I don't like. Jameis Winston imploded in the second half last week, and Baker hasn't been that good. But the running backs for other teams, Alvin Kamara has been dinged up, hasn't played well. Christian McCaffrey hasn't played well. Uh, receivers have, you know, they got depth there. The Saints with Landry Olave Thomas, the Panthers with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Higgins. They both got weapons. Defensively, I like the Saints more. I want to pick the Panthers. I think they can get their first win this weekend. But lately, just with the Panthers as a whole, they haven't gotten a lot of wins lately. Uh, they just haven't. You know, the last year they lost seven straight. And now to start this season, they've lost two in a row. That's nine straight losses. And, you know, I don't want to pick against Baker. I want Baker to get a win here. But to me, time is running out for these Carolina Panthers, for Matt Rule. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints bounce back and get a win. But to me, this is yet another coin toss game here. This is, to me, a 50-50 split. Uh, you know, do you go with a more proven defense and the Saints in an offense that get it going? But when Jameis Winston looks bad, he looks really bad. And that was on full display last week. That's just the truth. Next game I want to get to, Jacksonville and the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert says he's feeling more comfortable and he's feeling better. Uh... I think it's needed to me the Jaguars have proven in these first two games that they're a little better than last year. Doug Peterson, the head coach, is an NFL head coach. He's not the weird wannabe, disgraced Urban Meyer. They got a real head coach. Uh, Chargers, you know, just barely lost to the Chiefs. But Herbert played, I thought, really good other than his, you know, pick six that, you know, was a real turning point in the game. Him and Mike Williams have a great connection. I just want to see Austin Eckler get it going. Not just for fantasy purposes. I want to see Austin Eckler do good. I want to see him, you know, play like the Austin Eckler I'm used to seeing. I want to see Justin Herbert throw him the ball more, get it to him in space. I want to see the offensive line block from a bit more. And a lot of the things I'm seeing right now in the NFL, there's a lot of pitches, a lot of tosses. That can work. Uh... You know, it's, you know, you need to incorporate it in your game plan. But when you're running the football, I definitely prefer to see a north-south style of running game than an east-west where, yes, you can break open big plays, but the tackles for loss are greater. You know, you could get tackled negative three, negative four yards. Whereas if you run it downhill, yes, you've got to endure some uh, blocks, some hits. But if you get out of there, you can break one home and your loss yards isn't at a high. But I do think the Chargers get the win over Jacksonville. Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. This is, you know, last week they met, you know, week four early in the season in L.A. And Arizona kind of destroyed them. Uh, 
I want to pick the Cardinals, but the Rams have gotten the better of the Cardinals recently. The Rams lead this all-time series, their last win. Uh, Rams beat the Cardinals, you know, in the playoff game. It wasn't even competitive. You know, later in the year, in December last year, the Rams also beat the Cardinals in Arizona. So the Rams, you know, have gotten the better of the Cardinals. But I'm not that impressed with what I've seen from the Rams. First game looked awful and prepared. And then I didn't like their 28-3 lead that they nearly squandered to the Falcons last week. So I'm worried there. Uh, Matthew Stafford, five interceptions to four touchdowns. Again, I'm tired of seeing Matt Stafford throw all these interceptions. It's, you know, I can't say it's uncharacteristic. It's very Matthew Stafford. And he leads the league in interceptions and so far. And, you know, there's 41 quarterbacks have played a snap so far to start two games. And out of those guys, Matthew Stafford leads them all in interception. He hasn't been as impressive as last year's QBRs at a 51.1 passer rating at an 80.7 completion percentage of a 72. So to me, he's not playing that great. Kyler Murray's playing much better. His uh, QBR is at a 62, uh, which I like more is, you know, completion percentage is a little lower at 63. But Kyler to me is controlling the game a bit more. I'm kind of tossed on this one. I'll probably pick the Rams, but this is another coin flip game where, you know, the win last year for the Cardinals, they had DeAndre Hopkins healthy early in the season. Later in the season, you know, Kyler Murray, D-Hop were dealing with some lingering uh, injuries. So was J.J. Watt. So, you know, Arizona still doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins due to the suspension. Their running game hasn't been going. James Conner's been banged up. So I think this is a close one. Uh, it's just, are the Cardinals going to continue their momentum that they had against the Raiders their last two quarters? If they show up like that, I think they'll win the game. But if, you know, we're taking in the totality through two games and it's more of the six quarters and those two quarters were just Murray magic, there was a fluke, L.A. can easily dominate this game. But this is another coin toss right here. In my last NFL game, Atlanta and Seattle. I'm going with Atlanta on this one for the upset. Seattle, I think, got their win from the Broncos, had that emotion going, seeing Russell Wilson and all that. Uh, But last week looked dead, looked lifeless against the 49ers. Didn't look good at all. So the Falcons at least look like they have a pulse. Drake London... Looks really good. They were able to mount a comeback against the Rams. Almost win if it wasn't for a Mariota interception. And then the week before against the Saints, they had this big lead. So, you know, I'm going to pick the Falcons to get their first win here on Sunday. And I might as well pick my Monday night game. And I might pick Dallas. Uh, Not because I think Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. Just that, you know, he can kind of be more efficient. Uh, he gives the ball to his playmakers. He doesn't try to force anything. He knows his role. He does it fine. And Michael Parsons is playing really good football, and that should be scary 
for Daniel Jones right now. So that's NFL. That's my week three pick them. Take it or leave it, but I've been doing pretty good on my pick so far. I will share my record next week, and we can evaluate. Now to move on to the NBA. Let's talk Ime Udoka, uh, who is facing a season-long suspension for a consensual relationship with a female staff member. They said it was improper, the Celtics, because it violates their conduct policy, which obviously prevents relationships from happening in the workplace. It's not an uncommon policy, but it is an absolute joke. Uh, Not the policy itself, but for this that somebody from the Celtics organization had to leak this. Ime Udoka didn't leak it. The female staff member didn't. Nobody in the media saw this. There's no images. It was somebody internally that did this. So to me, that is an absolute joke. The whole thing's a joke. And Ime Udoka, I'll get to this in a second, is actually considering resigning. Because this season-long suspension isn't coming down from Adam Silver or the NBA executives. It's coming down from just the Boston Celtics. The whole thing's a joke. I, I mean, I just can't believe it. I mean, do I think Ime Udoka is the only one to have a relationship with a female staff member? out of every coaching staff in the NBA or any sport like the NFL, you know, NHL? No, I don't. You know, and to me to just pick on Ime Udoka when it's consensual, it's it's a joke. It's This whole thing is now getting blown out of proportion. And the fact that he would get suspended for a year could be the dumbest thing ever. You know, I don't know who makes a decision. I don't think it's Brad Stevens. I think it's owner. But if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm imploring the owner, you're not suspending my head coach for this, you know, at all. You know, he's a great head coach. We ain't suspending him. And we ain't going to let him walk either. He is a terrific young head coach who, to me, took them, that team that's been currently constructed, the Celtics, for a while now. They've had Tatum for a while Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Horford, they've had all those guys. Brad Stevens could never take him to the finals, but Ime Udoka did. He coached Jason Tatum. He had a defensive game plan to beat Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum showed up against Giannis. They made it to the finals. If you're going to let him resign, that would be one of the dumbest moves, not just in all of basketball history, but in sports history. You don't let someone like Ime Udoka just walk. There is every team, I think, with the exception of uh, the Warriors with Steve Kerr, the Suns with Monty Williams, the Heat with Eric Bolstra should be lining up. Honestly, they all should be lining up for Ime Udoka if he were to resign. 
because it's a Celtic suspension issue, not a league issue. So again, the whole thing's a joke. It was consensual. Let's not get on Ime's case. This is personal between two people, and it should have stayed personal. Whoever leaked this sucks. I just got to say that. They do. They obviously have nothing else going on in their life, but they wanted to be a, a lame whistleblower for something that was consensual between Ime and a female staff member. Again, whole thing's a joke. Now time to get to another joke, which is the ESPN NBA rank, which I thought was just a monstrosity. So, their ESPN NBA rank took a lot of issues with it. Uh, two of them, you know, being that Kevin Durant and LeBron James are outside the top five. Kevin Durant's at eight, and LeBron James is at six. I thought that was a joke. Another thing uh, in the rankings itself I thought was a joke. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and, you know, nitpick, you know, you know, all the top guys, like a 97, you know, who should be in. But there was one I thought was really bad, and I believe it was 17 uh, was – Uh, 17 was um, Jimmy Butler. He was 17. Uh, ahead of him was Trey Young. And to me, it makes no sense. Uh, Jimmy Butler outplayed Trey Young in the first round this past um, playoffs. Was better, led his team to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And you had Trey Young ahead of him. It, to me, it makes no sense. And the fact is, well, Paul George ahead of Trey Young. I mean, Paul George ahead of Jimmy Butler. Paul George was out for the majority of his past year. You know, you can't give him a pass. I thought Jimmy Butler was also better than Damian Lillard as well. Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, the fact that Kawhi as well at number 12 is outside there. And I thought Jimmy Butler was better than James Harden. Uh, to me, we just give it to James Harden because... His name James Harden, but he didn't play really good this year. So to me, the NBA rank is an absolute joke. So when you decipher all this, there's five players left. They haven't announced them in order, but the five players are Giannis, Embiid, Steph, Luka Doncic, and Nikola Jokic. That's the top five, really. I get Giannis. I think Giannis is head and shoulders the best player in basketball. He's one of the elite superstars. He's won multiple MVPs. He's won finals MVP, a finals defense. Like, he's done it all. His resume, basically complete. I get that. And he's in his prime. I get him. To me, he's one. To me, he's one out of, you know, active NBA players. Steph is the other one in the elite superstar club. If you want to give it to him, yes, he had a down season, but he broke the all-time three-point record. He just won a finals MVP, so he's another one in the elite superstar club where multiple MVPs, one unanimous, only time, won a finals MVP, has won four titles, so I'll put Steph there in the top five. But after that, I'm putting LeBron at three at minimum. LeBron's top three in the NBA right now. 
19 years, in year 19, averaged 30 points. There's a lot wrong with the Lakers last year. But LeBron James was not one of the problems with them. So I've got a problem with him being there. Uh, with, you know, Embiid being ahead of both those guys, Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Because what have we seen from Embiid? Yes, great regular season numbers, but he has a tough time staying healthy, which we mentioned about KD and LeBron. And come postseason time, Embiid's not that guy he is in the regular season. He takes a step back. He doesn't elevate his play, whereas LeBron has led his team. KD has led his team. Embiid hasn't even made it to the conference finals yet. So I can't put Embiid ahead of him. So Kevin Durant, I'd also have it four. And then to me, the battle for the you know, fifth spot is Jokic and Luka. I'd give it to Jokic. I don't like watching Jokic play. It's just boring basketball. Yes, you can say it's efficient, but he's won back-to-back MVPs, something a lot of the guys, you know, have not done, you know, multiple MVPs. It's, you know, Giannis out of active players. It's Giannis, LeBron, and Steph if with multiple MVPs. So I'll put Jokic in there. I'll drop Luka down to six. I do think he's phenomenal. But the fact to have Luka, Jokic, and Embiid specifically ahead of KD and LeBron, it's a travesty in of itself of these rankings that make it an absolute joke uh, right there. And then my last NBA note is that the Jazz traded Bojan Bogdanovic to the Pistons, which indicates to me that the Jazz are really selling and they're really tanking. Like, this is an obvious tank. To get rid of Rudy Gobert, uh, just give away Patrick Beverly, traded Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich. You're really only down now to Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. I don't expect those tag guys to be on the team. Jazz are true sellers, and when they go all in on tanking and selling, the Jazz are the perfect model of that. Now to make some quick college football picks, because I'm doing really good. I'm, I think I'm 22-8, and eight, uh, which is great. That's like 96%. Not, I don't want to tote anything, but college picks, I, I know a thing or two. Baylor-Iowa State. To me, this is a tough one. I go back and forth on the Baylor-Iowa State. Yes, Iowa State's undefeated. Baylor lost a tough one to BYU. This one's in Iowa State. It's going to be you know tough to play. Uh, there. It's going to be a physical game. Iowa's a favorite. You know, they're at home. But I do think Baylor can come in and knock off Iowa State. Iowa State hasn't been, you know, all that impressive so far. Yes, they had the three-point win over Iowa, which was their most impressive win. But offensively, Iowa hasn't been that great. Uh, So I think Baylor can go in there with some toughness, beat Iowa State. Clemson Wake Forest. This is my upset right here. This is the one. I'm picking Wake Forest to upset Clemson. Yes, Clemson is the heavy favorite to win this game, but it's in Wake. Wake can play them tough, and I'm not sold. Like I said, I'm DJ Ugalele at quarterback. I like Sam Hartman for a Wake a lot more, much more efficient. Has thrown just a touch more yards, but has thrown more touchdowns. To me, he's great. Clemson's defense is good, uh, much better than Wake Forest. Wake Forest doesn't have a great defense, but the fact that it's in Wake 
I think that'll just give them uh, just a added edge there um, to, you know, get over this hump and beat Clemson, who hasn't been relatively impressive. Yes, Wake Forest just, you know, you know, barely edged by Liberty, but I like Wake Forest in the upset there. Duke, Kansas. I'm going with Kansas. Both teams have started out really good, but I'm going with Kansas. Florida, Tennessee. Florida, that great opening win against Utah, and they sort of spoiled it, didn't look good against Kentucky, and barely beat South Florida. All those games were at home, mind you. Now they face their true road test in Tennessee. Tennessee, to me, has looked much more uh, dominant against, you know, yes, they played two cupcakes, but they traveled to Pitt, the backyard brawl, and they prevailed against Pitt in overtime. So I like Tennessee battle-tested more, and their wins against crummy opponents compared to Florida. I like Tennessee to get the win here over Florida. Minnesota, Michigan State. Michigan State did not look impressive against Washington, but they're back home. I expect them to bounce back and get the win. Notre Dame, North Carolina. Notre Dame, big underdog. But to me, this is the time for Notre Dame to just come out and get a win. They really have nothing left to lose. They're one and two. Uh, I think they're going to play with a lot of pride still for Marcus Freeman. I think they figure some things out. North Carolina has no defense. Notre Dame at least has a defense. I expect Notre Dame to win this game. Oregon, Washington State. Oregon blown out by Georgia. They learned a few things. They beat uh, BYU last week. Impressive. Washington State beat Wisconsin. But I think Dan Lanning, Oregon, uh, will beat Washington State this weekend. Arkansas, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, to me, is the biggest facade, most overhyped team, it seems like, every single year. Uh, they're an absolute joke. Sam Pittman is familiar with Aggies quarterback, and I like Arkansas Sam Pittman to beat Texas A&M. And, spoiler alert, I don't think this game is going to be that close. It's got Arkansas written all over it. Kansas State-Oklahoma. This has usually been a tricky one for Oklahoma the past few years under Lincoln Riley, but they're not under Lincoln Riley anymore. They're under Brent Venables. Better defense, I expect them to roll Kansas State. And last but not least, USC and Oregon State. Another upset here, Oregon State. USC has a tough time going to Oregon State in recent years. Their offense has been good, but their defense hasn't been good, whereas Oregon State, to me, has a great defense. It's at night. The chainsaw is going to be out for Oregon State. The Beavs are at home. It's Pac-12 after dark. And I think USC gets stunned there at Oregon State. I like Oregon State to win, pull off the upset. So, to me, two big upsets this week. I like my chances to at least get one of them right. But you've got to call your shots. I'm calling Wake Forest and Oregon State upsetting two powerhouses this weekend. Next, I want to talk about Aaron Judge. Uh, You know, as he's approached this, you know, home run record, he's hit 60. He's on the brink of tying it. One more will do it. 
Um, and, you know, he's just playing great baseball. I think he'll get it against this Red Sox series, and I think he'll break it too and become the Yankee leader for home runs and the AL leader as well. It's just great. To me, it's the greatest offensive season ever. It is. And I know we can say Barry Bonds is a home run leader, but Aaron Judges is the most impressive. Barry Bonds took steroids. Sammy Sosta, steroids. Mark McGuire, steroids. Those are the only guys ahead of Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, no steroids. And he has literally carried this team on his back as well. Uh, We talked about Mike Trout, but Mike Trout can never carry a team on his back like Aaron Judge has. In the games the Yankees have won so far this year, Aaron Judge has hit 350, 438, 832. In the games they've lost, it's a .256 batting average, 388 slash 42 OPS. So, like I said, Aaron Judge has carried the team on his back, and he's been doing it consistently since the All-Star break. He has been great. Nobody's within 20 home runs of him for a home run lead in either ALNL, and he's also batting for the Triple Crown. He's tied with Xander Bogarts right now at 317. He's got the 60 home runs, and he has a very comfortable lead in RBIs. Uh, I think he's at 128, 130. He's been fantastic. Like I said, no steroid abuse. So to me, that automatically makes it the greatest offensive season ever. He's carrying the team on his back. And the Yankees are going to shoot themselves in the foot for low-balling him. with the seven-year 215, when right now it looks like minimum is going to start out at eight years 290. So the Yankees shot their cells in the foot there, but teams like the Giants could throw 10 years 350 at them. So Aaron Judge doesn't get paid. And to me, this is the, you know, you want to bet on yourself and you want to come out on top. This is the best, you know, historical way of betting on yourself and it paying off. Aaron Judge has shattered the mold and expectations. And I'm a Mets fan. I root hard for the Mets. But watching Aaron Judge, it's just fun to watch him play. I'd love to see him as a Met. Who knows what happens this offseason. I think if a team comes flying in, it's going to be the Giants. But Aaron Judge has been fantastic. And then another thing I want to touch on is, of course, Live Golf, why not let another moment pass with Live Golf? Uh, Greg Norman went to court, lobbied for Live Golf during a congressional visit. And some representatives, you know, had something, uh, you know, great for me to hear. You know, uh, you know, he didn't want to talk a lot about Greg Norman. You know, the Saudi Arabia questions, but that's what they talked to him about. You know, you know, the representatives there at Congress said, you know, it's not their business to settle a fight between a bunch of billionaires over a game of golf. Uh, You know, if they do, they need to take it to the courts. But, you know, they talked about, you know, you know, don't come in here and act like you're doing some great thing while you're pimping a billion dollars of Saudi Arabian money. Some respect, you know, that Greg has the right to do what he wants to do. 
but don't try to make it as simple as, you know, it's just competition and it's like there are hummingbirds and butterflies, uh, you know, the big bad PG tour and it's monopoly, you know, it's just trying to squish them. You know, it's much more complex than that, you know, talked about getting in bed with the Saudi Arabians. So, you know, it's not just about pure competition. You know, one of them said, you know, Greg Norman has a billion dollar sugar daddy known as the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So to me, it didn't go great for Greg Norman. And to me, this whole thing is an absolute joke that they still have to go to courts and it's great. So, you know, it's another joke. But to me, this, you know, this would be a great movie because every movie needs to have a great antagonist. Uh, You know, I love watching movies, uh, specifically Marvel movies. And and the Marvel duds, usually, you know, the villain, you know, uh, the villain wasn't that great. You know, you you really need a good villain for the hero. And Greg Norman is the best villain the PGA Tour could have. He is a great villain, and this would make for a great movie, the PGA against Liv, because you've got the, you know, villains on one side, which is Liv Golf, it's Greg Norman, it's Darth Vader, the Emperors, the Saudi Arabian Kingdom, and you got these generals that, you know, people really don't like, the Patrick Reeds of the world, the Deschambeaus, and then on the other hand, you've got, you know, Luke Skywalker is Rory McIlroy, and it's just, it'd make for great theater. Uh, and I'm glad that Greg Norman likes playing the part of a villain. And that's what he is in this. He is a villain. Uh, the PGA Tour is an establishment that has been there long before he was on tour. And it's going to be there long since he has been gone. So, you know, Greg Norman just needs to go away and just have fun with his little league that's, you know, more recreation than anything else. And then my last note before I head off, is Roger Federer is set to play with Nadal in his final match, which is doubles tomorrow night. Again, I've mentioned this before, but congratulations to Roger Federer on a great career. That is much must-watch TV just for sports fans in general. The greatest tennis player and the second greatest tennis player playing in doubles together is simply astounding. That, again, is must-watch. Congratulations again to Roger Federer. A lot of sports going to be on the next few days. Aaron Judge looking to break records against the Red Sox. Roger Federer's final match. Some great college football and NFL games. As sports fans, were spoiled. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody.